0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Gospel of John, but before we do, Halloween was this past weekend. What's your guys' favorite Halloween candy?
1: My favorite Halloween candy.
2: Whoppers. Wow. I Whoppers. love, I love, oh. like, so if it's in the chocolate category, I'd go with Whoppers, and I'm thinking just purely Halloween, like stuff that I normally don't eat all year long, but then it shows up in my kids' Halloween bags, and so Whoppers, and then on the on the fruit side of things, the fruity side of things, Sour Patch Kids. Ooh, I like me some Sour Patch Kids. Those are kids. good.
1: Those are good. I, I like things with nuts in them, or peanut butter, so usually... Like if I'm stealing from my kids' bags, (laughs) it's peanut peanut uh, M and M's or Reese's or maybe Snickers. So any of those, Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you like Payday bars? Uh, I can't remember if those are Baby Ruth or Payday. Are the ones that are just like nuts and like caramel or whatever?
2: A ton of
0: peanuts.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, I kind of I like I like both of those. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, did you
2: guys have uh, your like favorite costumes growing up, going up for Halloween?
0: I was a pirate almost every year, uh, except for the, the the two years I was a character from Mortal Kombat. <laughs>
1: yeah, I have no idea which character from what? Mortal Kombat? Are we allowed to dig into this? Finish him. Exactly. Um,
0: one year I was Sub Zero. Um, so I, I, I like tuck a painter's mask and I I spray painted it blue. Um, and then uh, my friend Josh was. Um, was reptile, and then um, I did I did raid in. <laughs> I was raiding the next year because my aunt Nancy had a um, like a lampshade, perfect, just like oh, looked like his hat. So I walked around <laughs> with uh, with some painter overalls, like one of those painter suits, you know, that you you zip. You t- it's all white, you know. And uh, I think we painted some of it gray. I Had black belt around my waist, and then I put the lampshade on my head. It was
2: great. So mm-hmm. almost every year. You were a pirate. I was a pirate, but for three years. Two years. Two years. Didn't yep. you just list three Mortal well, Kombat characters? No, no, my friend. <laughs>
0: no, my friend Josh was reptile. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. Did, you never outgrew your pirate costume?
0: Oh no, I got it was a different pirate costume every oh, time. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Clayton. Uh, I. You know, I. I was a Ghostbuster one year. I really loved that one. But I, probably, probably my uh, most distinctive one was I was a white blood cell. When you,
0: i uh, what, does that not surprise I, me?
1: You know, it's it's because I was really cool. Um I, I
0: obviously
1: I put on a, a a white trash bag and and like cut out something to be a nucleus to put on it, and so I was a macrophage. <laughs> what? It's pretty great.
0: I don't
1: even know what that word is. Oh gosh. <laughs> Eric?
2: So in. In light of what you two just shared, mine are going to seem remarkably boring. Yeah. So, uh, my mom made me a really great vampire cape. Oh. And so, for a lot of years, it was being a vampire. And then, when I got into high school, I thought it was funny to, to go around as a ballerina. And so, I bought a, like, you know, like a, two, a tutu <laughs> and, you know, went out as a ballerina. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds remarkably boring compared to, to you two. Yeah. All right, so what are we doing?
0: Yeah, what are we what are we doing today, Eric? What passage are we reading?
2: <laughs> Tutu. <laughs> that can't become my new nickname. <laughs> All right, we better get into this Bible text. We're going we're going off the rails here. So we're in the Gospel of John, chapter nine. Uh, so we start with context in the comma method, and we've been in the Gospel of John for a while. And so I just want to share a few basic things, and then we're going to be off and running. We're actually going to read a pretty lengthy text today which normally happens to me, Clayton normally gives me the long text, but today Clayton is reading because I'm comma guy. But this story, this episode in the gospel of John is so good Mm -hmm. that we could not find it in our hearts to abbreviate it in any way. So we're going to read the entire story in John chapter nine. Just a reminder here of what's going on in the gospel of John. John has told us at the end of his gospel that his goal is to share things about what Jesus did and what he said so that people might come to believe that Jesus is the son of God and that in him they might find life. And so the entire gospel of John is inviting its readers to contemplate who is this Jesus. So every, all throughout the gospel of John, Jesus is doing things or he's teaching things. And then we get to see how people are responding to him what he did, what he said, and often, as you're reading through the Gospel of John, some believe, some don't. They're arguing about who he is, what he said, and so you often have these really great conversations, uh, sometimes arguments, sometimes heated disputes, so it's really fun to look in on these to get you to consider who is this Jesus, and so here we go in the Gospel of John
1: chapter 9. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam, this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, it only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How are your eyes open? They asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. And so I went and washed and I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied. I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, "He is a prophet. They still didn't believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he's our son, the parents answered. <laughs> and we know he was born blind, but how, can he, how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke through Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't know, even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What, are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains.
2: That is some good stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we move on to the O in the comma method, which is observation. All right, here we go. What do you see in this episode?
0: There's so much to see. Um, there's sin and in, like it's all about sight and seeing and all that stuff. Um, what did I see? I saw. Um, I saw a lot of seeing and. See, saw, sight, blind. There's a lot of seeing. I keep
2: repeating that. What do I and see? I see what I saw and, and I idea. saw what I see and the guy couldn't
0: see. And that now is Thanks, a re- Dr. Seuss. Exactly. That's a repeating word and idea, right? From the treats acronym. We see, we saw, we seen. we sight and blind and all that stuff. Um, so that was a big one. Um, but here's what really um, stood out to me about this one. Um, and it's a question, right? That I think people might be wondering. Uh, verse 3. Uh, Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. And I thought, wow, like when, when Jesus performed that miracle, not only did he open the eyes of that blind man who was born blind, but because the word got out about this guy receiving his sight and because people saw that miracle, um, he gave people the ability to believe because they saw that miracle or heard of that miracle being being done. Uh, so not only did he provide sight to that blind man, but he provided sight to a lot of other people in order to
1: believe in him. Mm. Does that answer bug any of you? <laughs> because, okay, so like the... When when he asks when they ask you know did this man sin or did his parents sin that mm-hmm. he was born blind now I find that a weird question because I'm like how did this baby in the womb sin that he's born blind but I get the idea like people ask the question something bad happens to you whose fault is it like who's being punished here yeah and so that's that's a, a natural human question and Jesus' answer at first like neither this man nor his parents sin he's tr- he's kind of saying like this isn't the only reason bad things happen you know that it's not just because someone's be- being punished or someone did something wrong. But then when he says, but it happened so that you could see God at work. Yeah. Like there's a really positive side of that that I like that says, man, there's an opportunity here. But there's also a little part that makes you say, wait, did God, did God just like let something happen to me so that he could show off or like I'm in pain here? Like I, I, you know, I lived a lot of my life blind. And you're saying all this was just a setup for, you know, this cool thing? Like that's a lot to go through for this, this one thing. Is that worth it? It gets into the whole <clears throat>
2: theological question about when there is evil in the world or bad things happen, does God cause it or does he allow it? Mm-hmm. And what is the difference between those two things, right? So if you live in a broken world where there is evil and the consequences of evil and sin, so there are things like disease, sickness, death, hurt, pain, all of, all of those things. It is a very fine line. Like if you say, God is the creator and sustainer of the whole world, if you accept that fact, and then you say and he also but there's also broken evil things going on in this world that he created it's a very fine line between did he cause it or does he allow it either way he's allowing it for for the for a time right until he makes all things right again and recreates everything in the new heavens and new earth so his Jesus's answer i don't think what he's saying is god caused this man to be blind so that then later he could heal him You don't necessarily have to think of it that way. You could say disease just happens in a fallen and broken world. And so God has allowed this man to be blind, just like lots of other people are allowed to live with certain diseases in this fallen and broken world. Um, But Jesus is pointing out, but now here's an opportunity for the Son of Man to be revealed, for people to see something so that they might come to faith in Jesus Mm -hmm. and receive spiritual sight. I'm with you, Clayton. I think the more... The more perplexing part of that question is who who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You would get it if the like parents or parents sin, if, if this is your logic, parents sin, so then they get punished by having a child born with a disease. But to ask the question, did the person that is blind that was born blind sin? But there actually is in like rabbinic traditions. They actually try to come up with explanations for why someone might be born with a disease, and this is one of their conjectures: is that somehow in a pre-existent state, whether it's in the womb or if they pre-existed before being born, that something had to have, that person had to have sinned. It's a very weird thing to even think about, but this is part of the whole uh, thinking yeah. about what hap- wh- Why is it that someone is born with a disease? Hmm. Yeah.
1: All right, here's, here's my observation from another verse. Um, it says, verse six, after saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud. So, I, I see this one because I, I heard uh, a preacher, her, her name is Heather Zempel, and she pointed this, this yeah. out. She said, how, how much spit do you need to make enough mud to cover a guy's eyes? Like, you imagine Jesus either hocking a huge loogie or like sitting there like spitting again, you know, like keep spitting into the ground until he's got enough mud to smear on this guy's eyes. Like it's just a weird thing, and then to have someone like put their spit mud on your your face is just—I'm just pointing out that it's strange. <laughs> and how far he asked him to walk?
2: I don't—I don't know if anyone that read John nine. 9- <clears throat> that's listening to us and using the Bible savvy or reading schedule. Oh, wait a minute. They wouldn't have already read this because they'd be... This, let's see. This podcast releases on a Monday. Which is the day you'd read it. So maybe oh, you read so it before maybe, you
1: listen to this. Okay. So
2: maybe they have read it before they listen to this podcast. Uh, it was no short walk that Jesus asked this man to take. So if you, if you try to figure out where were they if, and where is this pool, um, and, and remember that this guy was blind... He asked this guy to do something where I think if he would have asked you and me to do it, it'd be like, really? You want me to walk all the way to that pool with mud on my eyes? And you know I'm blind, right? Like, this is going to be an effort. So I find it interesting that he just asked him to take that walk.
0: Um, Another one that I saw, kind of going back to just what we were saying with with other people seeing and believing, um, it says that when his neighbors, those who had formerly seen him baking... They, they realized it was him and that he could see. I think it's interesting kind of like this this progression that they go through. So like they see him and then they start asking him questions like, well, how how then were your eyes opened, right? So they, they start inquiring and then before you know it, they, they're like, well, where is this man? Like they're like, well, we want to go find him now. You know what I mean? And, and I just I think it's interesting that to see that progression. They saw him. They start asking him questions and they're like, well, where's he at? Let's go yeah. find him.
1: There's a lot of like investigating, like, it's like, it's like a crime scene, you know, like, like something happened here. We got to get to the bottom of it. Who did this? And everybody's kind of grappling with evidence. Like you get the neighbors who are like, oh, is that the guy? Did this really happen? You know, they're trying to figure it out. And then the Pharisees who are almost doing the opposite of like, no, it's totally obvious to us what happened, but we are doing everything we can to like find a different explanation, you know? And so, and, and, and the man himself is saying, look, I don't know all the conclusions to make, but here's the evidence. I've been blind my whole life, <laughs> and I can see you. So, like, something happened. You know, so, like, everybody's trying to make, like, figure out what does this mean, and they're telling a story about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What else do you see?
0: Uh, the, the Pharisees thought that, that Jesus was not from God because he broke the Sabbath. He was a rule breaker. Uh, so even though he he did a good thing, he healed a man and gave his sight, something that i I believe that would have been God's will, right? Um, these these Pharisees thought that he was a, a sinner and not from God.
1: Uh, I, I observe the reaction of the parents. Um, they're, they're scared, you know. Like I think about the feelings of each each person in this, and the, these these parents are not even saying what they think because they're afraid of the consequences. So this is this is a high pressure thing. They're they're afraid they're going to get kicked out of their community, their synagogue. Uh, the religious leaders are going to be against them, so there's some some risk and some fear. And they put it on their kid. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> ask him.
2: Which I don't, doesn't tell us how old this man is at this point, but
1: he's he's old enough to speak for himself. So, yeah.
2: so they they definitely dodged that question and, and put it on the put it on their son. All right. Anything else you see here before we move on to message? Uh,
0: the the other thing that I saw here uh, was that Jesus comes and he finds this this guy that he's healed and um, that he's talking with this man. And Jesus says, like, you know, do, do you believe in the son of man? And he, he says, oh, tell me about him so I might believe. And Jesus goes, well, you, you've seen him. You're talking to him right now. And there's that whole see and believe thing. Um, but what I really think is, is really interesting is in verse 39, Jesus says, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And what popped into my mind is for, the blind, for blind people to see, there's this humble acceptance to where the people who think that they see, uh, that there's this prideful rejection and they become blind and it's just a spiritual blindness. Like they reject him. They're supposed to know. They're supposed to see, but they don't. Um, but these people who, who don't know who Jesus is, apparently, they accept him.
2: Yeah, it's like a willful blindness. All right. My final observation is a question. Verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. For judgment, I have come into this world. But in other places in the Gospels, we hear Jesus say the exact opposite, which is don't think I have come to judge the world, but rather to save it. So what do you do with those kinds of apparent contradictions?
1: Yeah. So I I think John is a pretty smart guy. So... First of all, when you do see something that looks contradictory, you should assume that if you noticed it, the person who wrote it probably also noticed it. Like if, if it was a problem, they, they're wanting to say something intelligent, and so they're probably going to catch it. So if it seems really obvious, probably there's just more to be thought about there. So you just give it a second look whenever you see that sort of thing, because there might be another explanation. Um, but also the part about John being a smart guy is he likes to say things to, that feel intention to help you like, think and put together a more sophisticated thought. And, and so here's what I think is going on. In that statement in John 3, when he's, Jesus says, I haven't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world, what's interesting is the, the verses right after that describe the situation. He says, if, if you believe you're going to be saved, but if you don't believe, you're condemned already. So it's, you're, you're already in a state of, you know, uh, of, of being, being stuck. And in some ways, Jesus showing up, saying, I'm, I'm here for judgment— is not um, his intention to say, here's what I'm I'm here to do, to tell you why all of you are wrong and and send you to hell. He's there to offer uh, like salvation and hope. But his very presence itself is a sort of revealing kind of thing. It it exposes what's really going on and it causes people to take a side. And so it's not that Jesus is saying, this is what I'm here for, to judge. But in another sense, when he shows up, it is deliberately causing that sort of division between those who uh, embrace him and those who willfully reject him. And that is a, a kind of a, a moment of judgment, you know, like it's the moment of clarity. Which side are you going to be on? Are you going to be like this blind man or are you going to be like the Pharisees who no matter how much evidence they see are going to find a way to, you know, close their eyes to what they're seeing. So, it's it's like what is Jesus's desire for us? For us not to be judged. But what does Jesus's presence do? It shows us where we really are and it exposes the judgment that's coming.
2: Yeah, in that in that sense, Jesus is the pivot upon which human destiny turns. Like how you how you see Jesus, respond to Jesus, believe in or not choose to believe in Jesus, is the centerpiece of of the whole conversation in terms of human destiny, heaven, hell, eternal life, the life that God is offering. All all of those things. Then in verse forty one, when he says, "If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains." Right. So. This is such a great story because you have physical sight and spiritual sight all interwoven in this story going on, and it's super fun. And in this story, like it wraps up with this punchline. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So if you go back, you say, okay, so you had this guy that was physically blind, and people are asking the question, was it him that sinned or his parents that sinned? So they're saying his blindness was a result of sin. Okay, Then he could see. So you had a blind guy that could then see. The Pharisees think that they're seeing everything correctly, but they're actually blind to who Jesus really is. So the blind, so the blind guy can now see, but the people that, that think they can see, what Jesus is telling them is... If you would actually understand and admit that you're blind, I would give you sight. I would let you see me for who I am. You would have eternal life. But because you are not admitting that you are, in fact, blind, like this other blind guy did and now has received his sight, if you would just admit that you're blind, I would give you sight. But because you're insisting that you can see, you're actually remaining blind. It's really... Really yeah. compelling stuff.
1: Well, and the irony is that the man born blind was not blind because of his sin, but the Pharisees are blind because of their sin. Yeah. Like their sin is what makes them blind. And so at the very end, <laughs> Jesus' conclusion is, yeah, these guys are blind because of their sin.
2: Yeah. It, it is a tremendous tremendous interplay between physical blindness and spiritual blindness and a ton of sarcasm. Mm-hmm. It's I so just sarcastic. Lo- I just love some of it. What, do you want to become his disciples oh, this too? is
1: remarkable.
2: Yeah,
0: oh. that, that was my favorite. <laughs> now, like, this is remarkable.
1: Look, I don't know who's the sinner here, but uh, I can see. Yeah. You know, like, he's just... And Great. the
2: absurdity of spitting in dirt and making mud. <laughs> like, they, these, these are the kinds of things that you say, like, God is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And I have so many questions that I just can't have answers to on this side of eternity. Why? Of all the things he could have done to give that guy his sight, did he spit in dirt and make mud and tell him to go for a walk? (laughs) It just makes zero sense. And there's no... This is the kind of stuff that Bible scholars like to guess about and try to explain I just like to keep it as a question because it just reminds me that God is God and we're not, and there's, yeah. there's so much unanswered on this side of eternity. All right. We could probably keep talking all day about our observations in this story. So let's move on to message. What kind of message would you draw out of this story?
1: Um, I'm going to uh, pull from the observation about the, the Pharisees and their kind of resistance to seeing, you know, their, their insistence on being blind. Um, and, and the message I formulate is this look out for the ways that you're resisting inconvenient truths.
2: Mm.
1: So there are times, and, and you know, obviously, this is the ultimate question like, will you believe in Jesus or not? And so there, there may be some people who are listening who are saying, yeah, I, I see that there's evidence for Jesus. I, I, hear, you know, I hear the call of that, but I'm, I'm digging in my heels. I'm resisting that. Um, but I think even if you have crossed the line, if you've embraced Jesus, there, is, uh, there are moments in your life when you. Um, realize either God's calling you to something, he's uh, trying to convict you of sin, or um, there, there's something that God is trying to show you, but it's gonna up, turn, turn, you know, turn things up in your life. It's gonna, it's gonna uh, create change and you're resistant. You don't like the implications of it. So you do what you can to avoid actually kind of looking directly at it. You find excuses and reasons to not believe. And so I think there's a good warning to look out for ways you're resisting inconvenient truths.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So mine, mine was latching on to just the seeing and the hearing and the believing side of things, and I, I, I always had this, uh, this saying, that revelation requires a response. And so when, when God reveals us, reveals something to us about Himself, or His will for our lives, like it requires the, the proper kind of response. And so we're either going to reject Him or we're going to accept what He says. And I think we just. This clearly shows we've, there's a choice to make with, with anything. I think for people who, who don't know Jesus and they, they hear things about him and, you know, if they, they accept him and they surrender their lives to them, that's, that's one side of it. But then there's this day to day, uh, every moment to moment, uh, response that we have to make once, once God has revealed, um, himself to us, so.
2: Yeah, mine is so close to Clayton's <clears throat> that I don't want to say it because it's like a worse version of Clayton's. Oh, so right. I'm just going to go with Clayton's. That whole watch, what, how did you say it? Watch how uh, you respond to inconvenient truth?
1: Yeah, look, look out for the ways that you resist inconvenient truths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll say mine
2: outline, I guess, whatever. Uh, <laughs> my, mine is, be careful because it is dangerous to think that you fully know. Oh, that's good. That's good. No, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Uh, because when you're in that position, you you're you start closing your eyes, and yeah. it, even things that are revealed to you, because you think you already fully know your lot. So, like, even when you use the word revelation, well, how can I receive any revelation or see a new thing or see God in a new way or have Jesus reveal Himself more fully to me if I think I already fully know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a danger of thinking you've arrived or like that this is all I need to figure out. Like you're you're done. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, good. that's
2: what the Pharisees felt like to me in this whole story. Like They feel like they fully know God, fully understand God, and no one can teach them anything, and there's nothing left for them to learn. So what is so obvious, they're trying to explain some other way, right? which yeah. is what's so laughable about this story. The guy's like, look, you guys sound like idiots. I was blind. He put mud on my eyes, and now I see. All right. So uh, for meditation, in the comma method, so you have context, observation, message, meditation. Meditation is prayerful thinking, where you're inviting the Spirit of God to speak to you about the Bible text you're reading. We always say this is where your prayer life and your Bible study life come together. In the podcast, we give you 45 seconds to meditate. And so Clayton, if you would say your message one more time, we will use that as our meditation today.
1: Look out for ways that you are resisting inconvenient truths.
2: All right. So, we move on to application. It's the so what question. What am I going to do about what I am seeing in the Bible today? So, applications today.
0: Um, Mine just goes back to my message that revelation requires a sponsoring. With with anything that I read in God's word, uh, specifically with this passage, um, I think, I, I guess I go back to the parents in verse 22, right? When he's like, they're like afraid to actually acknowledge that Jesus is the, is the Messiah so that they're not put out of the synagogue. Like, what is, it, what is it that I'm fearful of acknowledging, I guess the truths, right, that I'm fearful of acknowledging that are going to, um, I don't know, like cause some changes, you know what I mean, to, uh, to my life? I think, I think that's the revelation require, requiring response type thing. It's the same thing that you were kind of talking about too.
1: I think for my application, I, I'm thinking about how how the these inconvenient truths were communicated. Like people were were trying to point out to the Pharisees, you know, like the, the man was trying to say it and you know, like people are showing, you know, evidence of this guy being whatever. So I, I guess I guess the application is to look out for ways that people are trying to, to communicate something to me. You know, they're trying to point out something that's a blind spot or um, trying to help me see something. And it, it's funny because, you know, at the moment, you realize you got to look for that. You don't actually know what those things are. You know what I mean? Or, uh, otherwise, it might not be a blind spot. So I think the application for me is like almost to set a little bit of a time frame to say like really be deliberate about that for the next couple of days to see where there are places where maybe, maybe someone's been trying to say something to me or maybe there's a theme that's come up in my Bible reading or something that I've like, oh, it's there. Why have I been avoiding this? And to, and to just keep my eyes open in a sense, you know, there's that sight kind of thing.
2: Yeah, my application is I'm going to start working into my my morning prayer time over the next few weeks, this request from Jesus. Jesus, would you show me something about you that I currently do not know? And then see how he answers that prayer. I like that. That's a good prayer. All right, Nikki, take us home.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. And in the meantime, if you are not following along with the reading plan, you can check out biblesavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at biblesavvy.com. And lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.